Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Good afternoon and welcome to Engage for Success Radio show number 447, The Future of Workplace Wellness. Today, we're going to be talking about why tactical solves like meditation apps, workout classes, and unlimited time off don't work to create a culture of well-being and what organizations should be doing instead. I'm Jo Dodds, your host for today. I'm an engagement consultant working within the Engage for Success core team. The Engage for Success movement is an inclusive movement committed to the idea that there is a better way to work by releasing more of the capability and potential of people at work. We spread the word about employee engagement and shine a light on good practice, inspiring people and workplaces to thrive. And we're widely supported across the UK, involving the public, private and third sectors. If you go to our website, engageforsuccess.org, you can use the link at the bottom of the page to join our newsletter list. And all our social media links are there too. My guest today is James Petrossi, who's author and president of PTNL. Or I should say an author and president of PTNL. Welcome, James. Thanks for joining me. We'll try that again. Welcome, James. Thanks for joining me. Hey, <laughs> thanks welcome. so much. <laughs> You're here now. Uh, lovely. So um, start by telling us uh, a bit about you and what you do. Oh, so um, I'll give a short background sort of of my life and business. When I was 11 years old, my father founded a marketing and sales training and development company out of a home office. And he had been in sales in a lot of different organizations. And that was my first taste of the entrepreneurial journey. And I worked with him in a lot of different capacities for the next 15 years, all through college. I started assembling training manuals and would help him with his presentation slides, then eventually was facilitating breakout sessions at his workshops, and then finally leading global consulting initiatives for companies like 3M, Motorola, Hewlett Packard, Reed Elsevier, and the publishing industry, and a lot of other companies. So that was a, a really, really epic journey and something that a lot of people don't have in their life is exposure to business from a young age, but also all of these organizational cultures and how they work. Um, then in my mid twenties, I sort of was a little bit tired of living under his shadow because he cast a very big one and, um, <laughs> it gave me the opportunity to just go into a complete new direction. And I found my way into advertising and I had been focused so much on business to business. Now I was in the business to consumer segment. And it was a new frontier for me. The way we developed strategies were different and still working with amazing companies, um, global CPG companies, automotive companies, hospitality companies, spirits companies, beverage companies. It was really, really just amazing. I spent the next 15 years just developing awesome through the line strategies and yet again, being exposed to so many different companies, organizational cultures. Then there reached a point about four years ago, I had always planned on starting my own agency, but I didn't know what my agency would look like. And I started to concept um, some different ideas throughout the years. And I landed on PTNL, which is the acronym for potential. And really our focus is on helping 
organizations, entrepreneurs, and students realize their potential through consciousness-raising initiatives. And, you know, we have a big focus on consciousness, self-awareness, well-being, with a more holistic approach than sort of what we see a lot of today, which is plugging the holes of the sinking ship of organizational culture. It's a huge dilemma a lot of companies are facing right now. Mm-hmm. And so let's address some of that, or start with talking about some of that. It, it, certainly, I, I get involved every year, as does Joe Moffat, my co-presenter with uh, or co-host with the Health and Wellbeing at Work conference in the UK in, in uh, March of every year up at the NEC. And um, the, there's always, obviously, sort of lots of discussion about wellness and what you should do and everything else. And, and, but there are also, there's an exhibition and there's, there's lots of stands where people are selling things that you've sort of mentioned in the, the preamble and we talked about at the beginning, you know, meditation apps and, um, uh, you know, things that people can do and initiatives and, and all that sort of stuff. And it does always strike me that when you talk to anybody about well-being, they'll reel off a whole load of things that they've implemented and that are available within the organization. And that isn't really what we're talking about today, is it? No, I mean, it's a part of it, and some of those tactical solutions serve a role, but the pendulum shifts so quick when it comes to organizational culture, and we went through this pendulum shift in the early 2000s, and it was initiated a lot by startup culture. Startup culture had really cool spaces, open floor plans, maybe a foosball table, a billiards table, video games, and it just looks like this fun clubhouse and this really awesome place of doing work. And eventually the dot-com world collapsed and there was still this idea of, wow, why aren't we acting like that? A lot of organizations were very archaic at the time. People were closed off. There was really rigid hierarchies. And I think companies did a a valuable thing and trying to say like, we want to promote a culture that makes people feel like they're in a fun work environment. Now the challenge with it is not a lot of people wanted to have fun at work. These sort of uh, artifacts of fun and culture often became dusty and unused just out of the fear that I should be working and I shouldn't be doing this. And then fast forward to COVID, the pendulum shifts in the other direction. Now we can't use those cool spaces that we've developed. And what do we do? Because there's a mental health crisis. Well, if there's a mental health crisis, we need people to exercise. Let's give them uh, class passes. We need them to meditate. Let's give them meditation apps. We need them to make sure they eat. Let's give them, you know, uh, stipends for food. And, you know, the intentions are good, but really those have nothing to do with organizational culture. They might help mm-hmm. someone meet some of their own individual lifestyle goals, but they're not connecting culture. They're not bringing people together and they're not creating a shared belief system. They are almost, I like to say, like plugging the holes of the sinking ship that is organizational culture. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting before we came on, I, I mentioned the four neighbors that we talk about within Engage for Success, and um, I think you know what we're going to talk about today connects really well with them. But um, it, it's something that we've talked about within the movement over the years as well. That again, organisations create programs and initiatives, initi- I can't even say it, initiatives uh, to you know 
better engage their people to say that they're focusing on employee engagement when actually often it's the as you say the culture the how we do things around here the sort of underlying feeling that people have within an organization that we should be focusing on and how we can improve that rather than necessarily you know doing things i remember years ago an organization telling us that they'd they'd parked their employee engagement program because they were going through some restructuring and they needed to focus on that and we were like head in hand saying you know now's the time you should be engaging your people not <laughs> not putting it to one side while you want right. things to people <laughs> so, so so let's talk about you know what people should be doing around the culture um around the sort of awareness that that, that the consciousness that you, you've talked about what 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 do you think people should be doing rather than using the or not rather than uh, sort of before they start using all the the things or alongside those things yeah i think the the first is and you brought it's like you have to take action you can't wait for other organizations to show you the path because organizational culture and how you build that and how you do business and how you integrate employees into that belief system is going to be unique for every company around the world there is no cut and paste approach to building organizational culture and specifically today with in the office hybrid models you know everything that we're dealing with you have to always be evolving learning adapting and growing and draw a line in the sand and say we're going to make an effort to create an awesome organizational culture and that takes looking inward i think looking inward can be very difficult i know for ourselves as humans to face our fears, to face our challenges. We often put up the hand of denial and for organizations, they can be like, everything's fine for now. We're doing just fine. We don't need to address that. Right. And that's almost the worst thing you can say. So I think, you know, yes, you have to listen to your employees and learn from them. But first, the first thing is just to create a belief system of why you even exist as, as a company. And I know that you know, a lot of companies might have a vision or mission or values, but they seem to be always just a little bit dusty. They're there on the wall on a placard, but they're not really activated. And I think sometimes what we forget about is that those aren't just like powerful statements for marketing. Those are powerful yeah. statements that bring purpose and meaning into people's lives. They are why people come to work if done correctly and why they continue to stay because Work is where we spend most of our waking hours. It's not with our family mm -hmm. and friends. It's in the office. And unless you define the why, truly define the why and inspire people around it and activate it and engage people through that, you're never going to get people connected through consciousness because work is a hive, a hive of many minds working together fulfilling a vision, that, that vision statement, that beacon of light. And when everyone's connected through consciousness, that's when we start to be able to flourish because we all know what we're doing. And what we're doing is mm -hmm. serving the greater good of humanity because that's what organizations do. Organizations are in the business of serving humanity, not marketing to people. Sometimes we forget that. We get so focused on looking outward, we forget to look inward. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned about the, the sort of um, keeping alive the values and the mission and so on or, or making them live in the first place. And we talk our fourth enablers about organizational integrity so that we don't have these sort of values stuck on the wall or the mission, as you say, stuck on the wall. And, and everyone knows that's not how we actually do things around here. You know, we've got this great 
as you say, marketing message, but actually internally that's not how it how it works. So how can you make sure that the mission, the vision, the values are actually live and being lived within an organization? Yeah, definitely um, putting together an experiential activation plan throughout the year and developing key initiatives. I think you always need to have pulse initiatives that keep mm-hmm. people engaged, that bring people uh, together, get them connected, and then some you know, larger tentpole events where people can sh- share, celebrate their successes, and you know, really making sure through all of this you're highlighting people in the organization. I think you know, when you talk about enablers and I think about conscious leadership, it's, you know, it's so important in the workplace to be self-aware of your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions. And that's a huge piece of this puzzle is making sure you're developing self-aware leaders and self-awareness right now is at an all-time low because our consciousness is completely divided by the news, social media, the feed. 24-7 connectivity has us out of the moment, out of the decision-making process and constantly focusing on these external variables. So if you start to build self-aware leaders, you start to teach principles of being empathetic, compassionate, kind, but not in a void where they're living in isolation. You have to build those philosophies as it relates to your vision, your mission and values, because in the day at work, we don't bond over doing things that we would want to do off the clock together. We bond over doing great work. Like the greatest teams I've ever worked with bond over doing awesome work and they just love doing that awesome work together. And when you create platforms that allow that work to be shared, expressed, connected with other people, create input, feedback systems, that's when work becomes a magical place instead of a place where you're just going through the motions hoping to get through the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we're talking consciousness, what, what, what does that actually mean? That's a very good question. And how do you know the unknowable, right? Because consciousness <laughs> can't be measured. Yet we always say that we need to be more conscious of what we eat or how we treat other people or, you know, <laughs> what we're putting into our body. But the reality is, we're all on this earth connected through consciousness. And no matter what origin story you believe in, whether it's scientific like the Big Bang or whether it's a religious one, it's hard to deny the fact that we all come from the same origin, that same universal energy field. So we all are truly connected and yet we have these mortal selves and we walk around seeing ourselves as separate and we do have a separation, but that separation is what we can see. I mean, we have limited faculties within the five senses, but if we could see what lies between us and see what was in the negative space out in the universe, we would see a woven fabric of energy. That's what dark matter and dark energy are they're the unseen forces of the universe that are inexplicable to us because we're limited but what we do know about consciousness and what makes 
human consciousness unique is our self-awareness, right? The ability to observe our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions, to engage in decision-making, creativity. I mean, these are epic gifts that allow us to partner in creation. You know, here we are transforming raw materials into microphones and computers. And I'm talking to you across the pond right now. I mean, that is awesome. That's a, that's a gift. We forget what we're doing here. You know, I look outside and I see a chipmunk. I'm like, well, he's not pondering life thinking he'd like to evolve into an octopus. He's a chipmunk, you know, he's got, he's got his scripts. So, you know, if you've ever seen the Lego movie, I mean, we are master creators, we're master creators, but there's an inherent challenge with that because we have self-awareness. Our consciousness has been divided, and that's that struggle we deal with. I think, therefore, I am, right? Ah, oh, this gift of thought, and then now we struggle. Well, who am I? Am I mm-hmm. the thoughts that arise from my unconscious mind? Am I the experiences that I've had in my life? Am I the movies that I like? Who is my authentic self? I mean, it's definitely not who you portray on social media, but, you know, you we are the ones that observe our thoughts and thought observation is so critical, not being reactive, but observant to everything that happens with us in life, but also in the workplace, because that is where decision-making comes from. And since we have such a divided consciousness with technology right now, it's the big struggle we're facing with Gen Z. And I love working with them is like, they can't focus and they can't focus because they're, consciousness has been splintered, divided even more. So first it was just, now I have thought. Well, now I have thought channeled into seven different social media platforms. Now, how am I supposed to focus on the present moment? And the present moment is where we create, where we find inspiration, where we connect to that universal consciousness, you know, that, 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 you know, storehouse of, divine inspiration that we can tap into at any time and, and bring into the business world. And then how do we sort of enable that within our leaders? How do, how do we sort of take those principles and, and, and make that happen within your organization? It's definitely a challenge. And I think that's what makes it the greatest opportunity is developing self-aware leaders requires looking inward and looking inward takes work. It takes practice, but it doesn't necessarily require a therapist. It requires taking a very, very deep introspective look into the lenses that have been developed, those filtered lenses of how we see the world and knowing that that's not our true self. All of the experiences that we've had, whether challenges we faced that we don't remember, you know, in the early years of our lives, how we grew up in high school and in the workplace, all form the contents of our unconscious mind. And our unconscious mind or our subconscious is always going to feed thought impulses, sometimes They're in the forms of words, that inner monologue we have, and that inner monologue is always very challenging to contend with. It's usually not positive, and sometimes it's just a behavioral impulse, or sometimes even we see images, you know, in response to what we're currently dealing with in life, because every time we take in something sensorially, our unconscious mind is feeding us an aggregate of information 
to form an opinion on that. So <laughs> that's a big challenge is just understanding as a leader, what challenges, what traumas have you experienced in and out of the workplace? How are they affecting how you treat other people? How are they creating blocks to you having an openness to other people's ideas in the workplace, to listening to your employees? And it really takes a very Zen-like approach to moving forward as a company, you know, shedding away things like complaining, comparing. Uh, if you lose a piece of business, it's not about saying that we did something wrong. It's about celebrating what we did right. It's about releasing low levels of consciousness like apathy, despair, grief, fear, worry, anger, resentment, even pride. And having the courage, the courage to move into a neutral space where you create a willingness and acceptance. And you can start then to bring peace, love, joy into the workplace. And in our hopes, create an enlightened organization because the organizations that will flourish in the future are the ones that are built to serve the, the greater good of humanity. And we're seeing that happen right now. It's like, the organizations that were once revered are now the ones that are falling apart because they're not here to help us. We know better now, right? We know how to treat the environment. We know how to treat ourselves. But this journey isn't a three-day course, right? This journey isn't one activation that you do with your team to talk about purpose and self-awareness. It's a commitment to instill it within the fabric of the connected consciousness of an organization. And that's the future. I mean, that is the future of creating self-aware organizations, self-aware leaders, and long-term employee engagement because you are part of that higher purpose. You feel connected to that mm -hmm. higher purpose. Mm -hmm. And for me, this sort of fits with the, the, the thing um around sort of bringing your whole self to work because what you've sort of described is not what everybody will be already thinking about or or you know some some organizational leaders would feel uncomfortable with the um i'm trying to think of a, a better word than woo woo but <laughs> but, the, but you know some, some very practical you know sort of um corporate sort of uh you could maybe say, I don't know, even dinosaurs, but, you know, even some more modern people, you know, would might have listened to what you've just said and felt sort of uncomfortable and that it it isn't their experience or their knowledge within the workplace. Um, how, how do we, I don't know, bring that into an organization so that it's, it's sort of understandable by everybody, not just the sort of more enlightened people already. Um, and how do we, Sort of change the cult, you know, change culture so that this stuff is is sort of a common everyday um, vernacular, if you like. Because I, I, you know, I, I hear people talking about what you're saying in some places, but in other places, I can't imagine in you know in even the next five years they're going to <laughs> sort of right. be talking in those sorts of terms. So, um, but there is a big movement to you know bring your health self to work and being much more. Um, open with people and much more sort of empathic and compassionate as much as anything else because of the pandemic and how we've, you know, worked differently in the last few years. But we, I, I think we're still a long way from that in my experience. 
that, that was a that was a very long winded sort of twenty five million questions in one sentence type scenario. <laughs> so, hey, yeah. I I feel you. I feel you, and I'm up for the challenge. And I do believe that where um, the opportunity lies, and when I where I see the greatest successes is not treating it as something that's separate from the work, but rather integrating these philosophies into actual business processes. Because mm-hmm. typically what happens in the woo-woo land, I love how you call it that, is when it gets just spiritual feel-good, there's no action to be created. You know, yeah. we, we don't know how to place it. We don't know where to take these principles. But if you take a sales process and you say, how do we create a sales process that integrates high levels of consciousness? Well, what's at the cornerstone of any sales process? Empathy, right? Compassion. We're here to help people. We're not here to shove something down someone's throat. We're here to listen to them, to pull information out. And we need to be self-aware. We can't be thinking why they're talking. If we're marketers, we need to be very conscious about what messages we're sending out into the world. So, you know, there's two external and variables about high levels of consciousness work. Then you look internally. Well, how are we working together to build these processes, build these platforms, build these ways of working, unite teams? Because most project management systems are just pushing puzzle pieces through. You know, it's like, are you done with mm-hmm. this piece? Yes. Now, and we're we're in this assembly line of process, so it requires a um, a lot of active listening and understanding of any organization's internal business processes, making sure that these philosophies align with them and fuel a culture that helps get work done better and makes people and employees feel like purpose is felt in every moment of every day. And knowing that, you know, just because you're bringing purpose into the world doesn't mean that every moment's going to be like infused with so much meaning. We just always have to remember that we're part of that higher purpose. And yeah, this mm-hmm. might feel like, well, are we bringing spirituality into the workplace? No, we're bringing consciousness into the workplace, just like conscious consumerism is a thing. Yeah. You know, like organizations are always a step behind modern culture. You know, we see the outer world. We're like, oh, my gosh, you know, people want to be loving, accepting and open. And Gen Z is the new workforce. So if we want to, you know, raise the consciousness of the old dinosaurs in the workplace and make them relevant to Gen Z. We're going to really have to open up our mind to new ways of thinking. Mm. And let's usher in a new era of consciousness. I mean, this is the time to do it. Um, If we don't, what are we going to deal with? (laughs) Higher rates of turnover, lower employee satisfaction, and essentially just a feeling like, why am I even here? We don't want anyone to feel in the workplace like, why am I even here? What am I even doing here? Oh my gosh. No one should feel on Sunday that they're stressed out about going to work on Monday. People should feel excited that they get to share their talents, that they get to help humanity and have a unity, a support system within their organization that just 
lights them up from the inside. I mean, that's, that's where we need to get now to get there takes courage. And, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. David Hawkins, who wrote power versus force said that 85% of the human population lives below courage, lives below courage. So the leading organizations will have the courage, I believe, to take these steps. And a lot of them already are. Um, and it's going to be exciting to see where the, where the future takes us and uh, where yeah. woo woo, where woo woo <laughs> meets process and science and insight and activation to fuel the new era of organizational culture. Thank you, James. That was perfectly timed. (laughs) 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 A great final sentence. So um, thank you. Um, It's been really interesting interviewing you today. Um, And um, you, um, you are, I said at the beginning, an author, you have a book, Know Your True Self, The Formula to Raise Human Consciousness. Is that very much aimed at an individual to, to learn more for themselves? Yeah, it, Know Your True Self mm-hmm. is to help an individual learn about themselves. And then it is the framework and philosophy that we then bring inside organizations as well. Lovely. Brilliant. Thank you. Thanks for your time today. All right. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And just to let you know, next week we've got Perrine Falk, who's author of Inclusion, The Ultimate Secret for an Organization's Success. And she will be uh, joining us to talk about why every organization should prioritize inclusion. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.